0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 300 of the Ruby Rogues Podcast. Woo! Cheering! Yay! (laughs) Uh, This week on our panel, we have Brian Hogan. Hi, everyone. Uh, Dave Kimura. How's it going? I'm Charles Maxwood from DevChat.TV, and it has been... I can't believe we've done 300 of these. That's crazy. It sure is. Yeah, I remember... You know, pulling this thing together back in uh, 2011. Now it's 2017. And uh, yeah, it kind of took on a life of its own there for a while. So so I'm curious, uh, just getting this started, um, wh- what has your history been with the show, both of you? I mean, were you listeners? Was it just, oh, well, they invited me to be a guest and so then I was kind of aware of it? Or how does that all shape out for you guys?
1: Um, that's how it was for me. you all invited me on to talk about accessibility a long time ago. And, uh, then I kind of started listening to the show after that. Um, and I, I kind of enjoyed getting a chance to hear just, you know, from the guests. I always kind of enjoyed that because I, I kind of feel where, where I'm at geographically, there's very few people who do any, any Ruby work. I, I have lots of connections that do Ruby stuff through the internet, but, uh, it's you know a lot of the communication is text based, and so it was nice to be able to, to to hear from people who are doing stuff um, kind of like what the work that I was doing.
0: That makes sense. Where are you located at?
1: So I'm a, I'm actually in uh, Wisconsin. I'm in uh, Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Oh, okay. It's about yeah, it's about uh, eighty some minutes uh,
0: west uh, or east of Minneapolis. Okay. Somehow, I had envisioned you living near Chicago, so I was like, "No, oh, I'm a little really? more north." Yeah, <laughs> I'm a little more north of that.
1: I'm a little more north of that. We we have a lot of we have a lot of Java and uh, we have a lot of uh, you know C sharp stuff going on in in where I'm at. Interesting. So, have you been listening steadily to the show since you were on, or did you kind of pick and choose? Or well, I kind of picked and choose. Like, oh, that sounds like an interesting topic. Oh, that sounds like an interesting topic because there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on. Uh, you know, and I, I couldn't always make time
0: for. Uh, all the things I want to listen to so right that makes sense how about you Dave
2: Yeah, for me, you know, I've been kind of a unfaithful follower for a few years. You know, every now and then I would pop in and be like, oh, I wonder what's new now. So I would watch like, or I guess listen to maybe every 10 episodes. But, uh, you know, recently, just this year and um, last half of last year, I started listening a lot more to the podcasts and stuff. So, you know, it's been enjoyable. And, you know, it's one of those things where I really have no good excuse It's nothing against you. I guess Mm -hmm. it's just life. You know, I have three kids, uh, three kids under the age of three. So finding time to do anything uh, (laughs) away from the computer and stuff, you know, being at the computer and focusing is uh, actually quite an accomplishment. So – uh, that's kind of my Ruby rogues history and I live in Atlanta, Georgia, so there is a huge abundance of Ruby opportunities here. So it's been really neat. Uh, I came from Louisville, Kentucky just about a year and a half ago and the Ruby community there was extremely lacking. There are, you know, there were a few big players and stuff like, uh, Ernie Miller lives in Louisville. So mm-hmm. I would go and hang out with him at coffee shops, uh, doing the, you know, uh, the Ruby meetups, but you know, it wasn't ever more than like five, six people, but you know, it was fun enjoyable and we got, you know, to have some good fellowship, but it just, it wasn't that big, large community of people that, you know, you might see in Atlanta or elsewhere.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I know that in Atlanta, there's a, at least a a reasonably good sized Ruby community, but yeah, I, I, I know that Ernie's from Louisville. I didn't know anybody else from there. So yeah. Let's take a break from this episode and really quickly talk about finding a job. You know, searching for a job can feel stressful, scary, and time-consuming. Pushy recruiters try to sell you on roles you don't actually want, and the job boards make you feel like you're throwing your resume into a black hole, never to be seen again. And sometimes you go all the way through an interview process just to find out that the very end that the salary offer or company culture doesn't match what you're looking for. Well, there's a solution. Hired.com is the world's most intelligent, talent-matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities. They make the job search faster, focused, and stress-free instead of endlessly applying to companies and hoping for the best. Hired puts you in control of how and when you connect with compelling opportunities. And after completing one simple application, top employers apply to you. And the best part is, is that you get money. That's right. They pay you if you get a job through them. Listeners to this show can earn double their normal hiring bonus by signing up with the show's link. That's right. You get $2,000 instead of $1,000. So go sign up at Hired.com slash Ruby Rogues podcast. So have you guys had a favorite episode? Something that kind of stands out as the one that was like, yeah, this one was really awesome.
2: No, I really can't say I have a favorite episode. Uh, I think they're, you know, for the most part, they're all really good. Um,
0: yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. I also get people asking me periodically, you know, how many listeners do you have and things like that. And um, it, it's kind of varied over time. Um, you know, we usually get somewhere in the neighborhood of, um, you know, between eight and 10,000 downloads per episode lately. Um, I can tell you that before the panel change up, uh, we were getting probably... 10 to 12,000 downloads per episode. So that has changed. Um, and I think, I think part of it's just that the, the audience kind of changed and some people felt like they, um, had to pick sides on, on things like that. And so, um, it's, it's been interesting to see how that all changed things up, but yeah. Um, so yeah, just to give people an idea, every episode gets between eight and 10,000 downloads per episode. Um, and we have listeners all over the world and it's been really interesting to meet people as I've, traveled or gone to conferences or things like that um, just to see what people really kind of think of the show and, you know, the the things that they've picked up on. So some people, they get really excited about a particular topic and other people, you know, not so much. Um, Some people are in it for more of the community aspect and some people really want to hear a deep technological topic every week, Um, you know, and, and it's really kind of fun to figure out, okay, what do people care about and what are we putting out there that people like or want. For me, it was always like if there was a
1: topic that was related to learning Ruby or teaching Ruby or things like that, because of my education background, uh-huh. I was always always the most interested in those kind of episodes because there were so many things that I thought I knew about how to teach things before I did it full time. Uh-huh. Um, that it is now looking back on it, going, wow, uh, it is really interesting to hear their perspectives uh, and get some good ideas from people and and um, and you sort of see what other people who do this, who, who are in the trenches uh, do versus the average developer like I was who wanted to become a teacher. So I was always interested in those kinds of those kinds of episodes as opposed to, um, you know, sort of the deep dives into technology, because I can kind of get that from reading the readme file and stuff like that. Right.
2: Yeah, and personally, I like more of the tech talks, but I think it's kind of hard with the audio only visualization to really go too deep into a uh, techie talk. So, um, you know, how, I guess, you know, how do you deal with those kind of challenges where you really want to kind of cover something like, you know, we did the, um, the JSON web tokens not too long ago, and that was really, it's really kind of difficult to kind of give this really in-depth dive into a technology that's very specific without any kind of visual aids.
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of tricky. I mean, it's the same thing. I'm, I'm part of a local Toastmasters club, and so I, you know, they like it when I talk about podcasting. But at the same time, you know, I if I don't bring visual aids, then a lot of times it's tricky to explain to people how to do that as well. Because you know, you look at code, you read code, you understand code that way, and we really can't do that in an audio format because no, nobody's going to listen to us go deaf method name if blah, 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 you know, it's just, this it doesn't work. <laughs> and right. so, so yeah, so we, we wind up talking more about concepts and ideas uh, than we do about, um, you know, a particular um, technical thing that you, you know, you can see, you can, You know, like JSON Web Tokens, I mean, you know, depending on how you have them set up, you can actually inspect them with your web browser. And so you can see something that represents what you've got there. And yeah, that's really tricky. So what you wind up doing is you wind up telling people how to experiment with it. You wind up giving them the story behind or around whatever it is that you're talking about technically. And, um, you know, to a certain degree, you can actually describe the workflow for an API or things like that but yeah you you can't actually give them the code except for in the show notes or in a gist because th- there's just not a good way to convey that auto, you know over audio only
1: yeah and plus your audience is maybe listening while running or listening while doing something yeah. else too yeah. they they're not like really at the computer able to kind of follow along um, and, and it's nice to hear you know when you have some of the some of the uh, some of the episodes where they're talking about more higher level topics or uh, things like that, like, you know, why to, why a test or like Andy Hunt, when he did the episode on the grows method, things uh-huh. like that, those are the ones that are the one that, that, uh, that work really well for this kind of format, I think.
0: Yeah. I think one of the ones that I really, really enjoyed that we did that um, was that kind of a talk was with, and I'm blanking on his name now, um, but he talked about the um, technology radar, uh, Neil Ford, and and mm. that, that idea where, you know, some things are, we. you know, we've adopted this and we, you know, it, it's in our toolbox and then we have the things that we're experimenting with and then we have the things that we have since dropped in favor of something better and the things that are kind of out there on the fringe that we're thinking about right now, but, you know, are not actually being actively experimented on and the way that they do that at ThoughtWorks, I thought that was really, really interesting. You know, to just give people this, and then there's a visual representation to it, but we can talk to people in terms of, you know, you have this inner ring and this outer ring, and people kind of get that idea. And then, you know, just where it is on that adoption curve really, I think, set things up so that people can think about how they decide what to learn and how they determine what, you know, what technologies they want to use. So, uh, so, I was going to
1: ask. so I was going to say, so so Charles, what have you learned over the last three hundred episodes? What are the things that <laughs> that, that, that you know the, the takeaways from from running a from running a
0: podcast that gets,
1: uh, you know that gets the traffic that you get and the, and the
0: recognition that you get? So it's it's been really interesting. Um, you know, the, I'll tell you that the biggest show on the network right now is JavaScript Jabber, and that one's hitting somewhere in the ballpark of twenty eight thousand downloads per episode. So you know they're getting three to four times the traffic that this uh, this podcast does. Um Adventures in Angular actually gets uh twelve to fourteen thousand downloads, so it also is larger than Ruby Rogues at this point, even though Ruby Rogues was the first show that we started with this. And it's it's funny because I mean there are like career lessons that were learned. There were interpersonal lessons that were learned. Um it's it's been this journey for me. Um and I, I don't I don't I don't want to take up the whole episode talking about it, but there were a few things that kind of stood out to me. Um, especially over the last few years. Um, One of the things that I'm not exactly sure how it came about, and I had a long conversation with David Brady about this, um, but at one point, um, and I'm not sure where things kind of tipped, but I kind of became the de facto uh, owner-leader person over Ruby Rogues. And it was very collaborative initially. Like we all just made decisions together. And for the most part, we were locked up with each other. So, you know, if there was a disagreement, we could usually just explain where we were coming from and, you know, everybody would kind of come around. Um, but at one point, and I'm not sure where this point stood, um, and I think some of this just came out of the fact that I was the one that registered the domain. Um, I was the one that, um, you know, was paying Mandy to edit the shows and things like that. And so um, just by virtue of the fact that I managed pretty much all of the production for the show, I was in a position where I kind of became the owner of the show, for lack of a better term. Um, But yeah, there was, I I can remember one disagreement, I'm not going to go into details, Um, but basically uh, one of the rogues uh, took a stand that none of the rest of the rogues uh, agreed with, and to the point where this person actually left the show. And um, as I communicated with them later on, um, this person seemed to build relationships back with the other rogues. And, um, but not with me. And so I finally reached out and said, Hey, what's the deal? And I was told that, um, because I had that ownership role, even though I wasn't throwing my weight around, um, essentially they blame me because I could have overruled everybody else <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, wow. and, and that kind of, to me highlighted, okay, so there, you know, there is a power dynamic here that I'm just not really seeing. And, and, you know, I, I worried a little bit for a, a while there, but, but this was, you know, a lot of this happened, you know, within the last year or two, um, as far as, you know, this kind of communication and getting this feedback. And by then I was thinking, okay, well, um, you know, ha- how is this dynamic affecting the show? Especially since, um, you know, over the last year or two, pretty much, uh, all of the original panel, except for David Brady had, you know, gone off to do other things, and so, you know, as as that changed as well, and, you know, I was kind of the, the longest standing member of the show besides David Brady. He was also one of the originals, but um, I was also on more consistently, um, you know, that that became more and more of a thing where I had more and more of that um, that situation where, you know, if I said something um, and I didn't realize this, but as I said something, it would be taken as this is the stance of the show. mm. And so, um, you know, now with the new panel, I've just kind of settled into that because that's how all of the other shows work is, um, you know, I've given a lot more freedom to iFreaks and Freelancer shows since I've stepped back and I'm not hosting the shows, those shows every week. You know, I just manage the production on the back end for them. Um, But yeah, so um, I I tend to take more of that uh, command, more of that leadership now with Ruby Rogues, the same way I do with JavaScript, Jabber, and Adventures in Angular. Though I do want it to be collaborative and I want the, the Rogues to have this input, but I'm learning that um, not that my actions have consequences because that, that kind of comes with life, but just that I need to be more aware of the social dynamics in the situations that I'm in and if I'm going to foster the kind of collaboration that I want to see and that it it really does uh, in a lot of ways uh, depend on me to create that kind of a situation. So we've asked, uh, we, we've answered a question about you know what
1: were our favorite shows, but Charles, what was yours? What's one that really stands out to you?
0: Oh, that's hard. Um, I mean, uh, most recently, that's, how, how do I put it? So it tends. There are a couple of things that I like about different episodes. Um, sometimes we get guests that just blow my mind. Um, you know, some of my favorites have been Kent Beck and Katrina Owen, um, who we actually had on the show as a regular for a while. Um, you know, Saran Yatbarak, you know, same thing. Um, in fact, it, it turned out that as you know, as Saran and um, Katrina came on the show, um, There was clear lobbying, you know, everybody kind of agreed to bring Katrina on when she came on. Um, But when Saran came on the show, I liked her episode so much that I told everybody else I wanted her on the show on a regular basis, and so we all agreed to that. Um, You know, I I was also responsible for basically inviting uh, Coraline uh, onto the show. um, As a regular panelist, Um, you know, I pushed to get Sam onto the show, Sam Livingston Gray on the show as a regular you know so so those are kind of the episodes that stand out to me but the standout guest uh, f- above most of them is probably Kent Beck I just really like talking to him um, okay. you know um, different shows on on some of the other shows there are different standouts um, but but for this show yeah in fact I would love to get him back on um, but I also really enjoy just the panel discussion shows where it's just us without a guest and Mm -hmm. where we can all just kind of sit down and just chat about whatever it is we do. So our recent episode on deployments or um, on scaling, you know, where it was just, hey, well, this is what I've done, and this is what I've done, and we don't have a guest that kind of overshadows some of that. Because when we have guests, we tend to go a little bit into interview mode, where we want to let them kind of speak and shine, which isn't wrong, it's just different. And, uh, you know, sometimes I just want to have that water cooler feel where it's like, hey, I'm talking to some awesome programmers that have some interesting experience that, you know, I can share my experience and they can share their experience and we can all kind of learn from each other. And, And I really like that dynamic.
1: Yeah, because it's it's funny when you get a bunch of software developers together, you know, everyone's kind of got their opinions about where, the way things should be. Uh-huh. And it's a lot and it's a lot nicer when it's presented as, well, here's what here's what I've done, as opposed to you're doing it wrong or here's how you should do it. And so I always right. appreciate hearing those kinds of discussions, too, like because then as a listener, I can sit back and go, well, yeah, you know, the situation that I'm in right now is exactly what what you know, what, what Dave is experiencing. Mm-hmm. You now uh, I know he's talking about that's, that's, that's more closer to me and I'm just not, I'm not doing the kind of stuff that Charles is doing, but I'm, I'm doing the stuff that, that, you know, maybe Jason's doing. Um, so that's always been beneficial to me. Even, even before I joined those, as a listener, it was always beneficial to hear those kinds of uh, differing viewpoints. Everyone trying to get the same result, but going at it a different way. Yep. Yeah, well, so Charles, yeah.
2: So, uh, you know, there's always been a lot of talk about is Ruby dying or is rails dead? Uh, so, a lot of those have opened up conversations for, uh, the future of those, uh, frameworks and programming languages, you know, with like the Ruby three times three coming out, um, who knows when. Uh-huh. So, you know, where do you see Ruby rogues going? Cause you have seen a, a decline in your episodes or your number of downloads. And that's probably due to a partial changeover, uh, from your panelists. But, where do you see it going, and how long or what's its longevity that you see uh, that's
0: that's an interesting question um I mean, the thing is is that yeah i think I think there's some settling that's going on you know between the you know the, the show and the panel changeover though at this point, I think we're mostly past that. I think most of the listeners who are get, we're getting what they wanted from Ruby Rogues or are getting what they want from Ruby Rogues as we have kind of changed the focus back to the technology um, versus, you know, people going over and, and and listening to Greater Than Code and, you know, with the things that they talk about. Um, I think most of that's settled. I mean, the people who felt, you know, a moral obligation to stop listening to this show or to start listening to that show or vice versa, um, you know, I think most of that's settled. So at this point... Um, you know, first of all, the show isn't the numbers. Like, um, when I pulled up the numbers, like I had pulled it up today cause I hadn't looked at them. I don't look at them every day. I don't look at them every week. Um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky if I look at them every month. Usually I look at them when I start giving sponsors numbers, you know? And so I just compile the numbers from the last quarter and then I let them know. So for me, it's not about having this, you know, Oh, we have 90,000 listeners or whatever. And to be honest, uh, a long running show like Ruby Rogues is going to attract people, even people that don't do Ruby. So in fact, I've had a lot of people tell me, you know, we, you know, I I don't listen to Ruby Rogues for the Ruby. I listen to Ruby Rogues because they're experienced developers talking about real world problems. And so, you know, I I think there is some growth potential for the show. Um, And I think that really what that boils down to for me is that there are more people out there that we can help. And you know, I, I go to some of the conferences. I haven't been to as many Ruby conferences the last few years, um, mainly because um, I get invited and have my way paid to go to, say, the Microsoft conferences. I went to three last year um, and, you know, similar with like Angular conferences. Um ngconf is here in Salt Lake City and um, I know the organizers and they like having adventures in Angular there. So, you know, I get a ticket for free. Um, you know, and similar with a lot of these other conferences that I've been attending, they've been mostly focused on other technologies. Um, but at all of these, uh, you know, I have people come up and say, listen, you know, I listen to Ruby Rogues and JavaScript Jabber and Adventures in Angular, or I listen to Ruby Rogues and iFreaks um, or entre programmers. Um, and, you know, I, I get a lot out of that. And it's really helped me, you know, be a better employee or be a better person or be a better a coder or inspired me to go and build this gem or write this other library or, you know, write a tutorial and put it on YouTube or, you know, whatever. Um, you know, and, and that's that for me is the payoff, you know, um, you know, we get 8000 downloads per episode. Are we inspiring 8000 people? Are we inspiring even a quarter of those people? I mean, how much good are we putting out into the world because of that? So, you know, unless unless I feel like we're having a diminished impact. I just, you know, I don't see Ruby Rogues going anywhere. You know, as far as, you know, listenership, is it going to go up? Is it going to go down? Does it matter? You know, is my, you know, counter, you know, the sponsorships are based on the listenership. But, you know, as long as I can pay the bills and keep putting the shows out, you know, even that doesn't really matter to me. So at that point, you know, it's it's yeah, you know, where does Ruby Rogues go? Well, um at least for the foreseeable future it's, it's going to be here and at this point what i'm really looking for is i'm looking for feedback from people to find out how we can impact them you know what 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 can we talk about that's going to have that that kind of you know impact where they then can get a better job because they have better understanding of specific things or whether or not you know they're growing in particular ways or whether or not they feel like they can connect to the community and you know that's what i'm after
1: Sure. And there's, there's always, uh, there's always going to be new people coming into the community, as long as there are boot camps, uh, teaching this subject, as long as there are people hiring for Ruby developers. Um, You know, the the whole, the whole idea that that Ruby is dying is, seems to be predicated on the fact that it's not consuming the news cycle because other newer languages are consuming the news cycle. but. If you've been at this software development game for long enough you kind of notice that there's there's that hype there's that hype curve that we all are become familiar with at a certain point yeah um there's always you know we, we kind of move off into ruby being the workhorse when you look at rails for example you know it, it, there was a time when it was a, it was it was it was trotted out initially to to solve a very particular set of problems web to database applications which were, which were difficult at the time Yep. You know, they they were not as easy as they could be. And Rails solved those kinds of problems. And then, you know, immediately following that, there were a bunch of people who looked at their big J2EE enterprise applications and said, hey, let's replace all of this with Rails, which it was never kind of designed to tackle. Um, I've always looked at Rails as being this this, uh, pragmatic toolkit for uh, building these sort of back office applications that have a very small... um, very small user base. I, I mean, I, yes, I've seen Rails do some very complex things. and I've, I've worked on teams where we've done some very complex things with Rails. But I've always looked at it as this, um, it's for making applications like Basecamp. Mm-hmm. And if, if, if you target those kinds of things, that's great. If you target those kinds of CRUD applications, that's pretty cool. Um, because that's most of the applications that nobody sees. They, they exist everywhere. There are lots of places using writing those kinds of applications and, and building those kinds of applications. They don't they don't get sort of the hype because they're not interesting applications to people who are uh, posting on Hacker News. Yeah. But they're going to be there. They're they're going to be there. I mean, uh, and, and they're going to be there for a while because we've seen this before. The cost of rewriting an application isn't uh, isn't necessarily cheap. Yeah. The other um, thing is, so, yeah. Oh, sorry. Keep going. I was going to say because it's, so it's not really it's not really I wouldn't say that Rails or Ruby is dying so much as it's just becoming uh, a, a screwdriver. It's a tool in the toolbox that solves a particular set of problems. Yep. And I think that's good. I think that's good because we can stop we can stop trying to hype everybody up to use it and just kind of point to and say, hey, this is this is the solution that will work for your particular thing.
0: Yeah. Well, the other thing is, is that the old reliable standbys seem to be the things that kind of stick around. You know, it helps if they get wide adoption also to have them stick around. But, um, I mean, it's funny. Java was a big deal when I started taking programming classes in college, which was, uh, the late nineties and early two thousands. And, um, you know, I was talking to my brother who just got into a computer science program and he, they're teaching him C. In other words, you know, Java's not the super hot, cool, awesome thing anymore. The professors aren't keen on it anymore. And so they just went back to the standard thing to teach people to program and they went to C. Um, you know, and so, yeah, I, I think there's always going to be a place for Ruby. And I think there's always going to be a place for Ruby rogues. Um, I also um, recently uh, dug into a survey I sent out last year and, um, I'm gonna add this to the focus of actually um all of the shows um but primarily Ruby Rogues and javascript jabber since they they kind of adopt a wider um, breadth of things to talk about and that is is that a lot of people are were asking in that survey i'm I'm a little remiss because I didn't look at the results until now, but um they were asking for basically um some core concepts and so you know design patterns, and you know how do I set up my app, and how do I you know level up, and things like that, and you know, um, you know, I, I like to blend that with the talk about community and technology, and and help people level up. But those things kind of transcend Ruby anyway, but are important to Ruby developers, and so we can dig into that. And then yeah, and they're and they're a little bit different too in in the Ruby context, yep.
1: right? Oh, totally. Like the- Talking about design patterns, for example, is the, – the, some of the ones that you would use in Java, for example, just don't really apply that well in Ruby because there are language features that solve some of those design patterns. Some of the problems those design patterns were supposed to solve. Yep. So those could be pretty interesting conversations in and of themselves.
0: Yep. And then the other thing that I'm adding and, – and this just goes back to the, hey, the people element thing is important to me. And so um, I've actually um, – I started doing this on on JavaScript Jabber and Adventures in Angular, just because you know it was it was simple, and um, I didn't quite know where Ruby Rogues was going to wind up because it was right after the panel changeover, and so I was like, you know what, I'm going to wait and see how this goes before I make a commitment on this. But uh, at this point, I'm comfortable making the commitment. Um, and that is that I started doing basically my JavaScript stories or my Angular stories, and I want to do the same thing for the Ruby community and, and get my Ruby story, and just get people's. You know, how did you get into programming? And how did you get into Ruby? And you know, what 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 do you what do you contribute to the community that you know people should know about? And what are you working on now? And you know, what are you learning? And what how are you growing? How are you leveling up? Um, you know, and and who's this person behind the code? That we've seen written, you know, and so I would love to get some of the people out there in the community, you know, be it DHH or um, Aaron Patterson or you know Peter Cooper, you know, all the way down to the person who just graduated from a boot camp and is out there trying to find a job in Ruby. You know, how did you how did how did they come into the community? You know, are are they a fifty year old you know uh, mom and grandma who decided that coding was cool? You know, are they a twenty year old kid who decided not to go to college? I mean, there are so many interesting people and great stories out there. And and that's the other thing that I feel like um, sometimes we fail to capture on the show that I really want to highlight is just, you know, what's the story and who are the people? And so, um, you know, keep an eye out for those. They'll probably start coming out in a few weeks as I start doing the interviews. Um, and I'm going to be inviting people here within the next week to do that. But But yeah, I mean, you know, just – just really really interesting fascinating people and uh, you know that that's part of the written richness of ruby even though it really has nothing to do with the language this episode is sponsored by compose.io databases are arguably the most difficult part of the stack to manage the last thing you want is to wake up at 4 a.m because the database failed and you have no backups Compose has all that covered for you, so rest assured that your database is fast, reliable, and always on. It's production-ready cloud databases on AWS and GCP for SoftLayer, so go check them out. You can pick from nine databases, including MongoDB, Elasticsearch, Redis, RethinkDB, MySQL, and one of the latest, DB, which is a fast drop in replacement for Cassandra. All databases come with guaranteed RAM, IOPs, and CPU that auto-scale. Automatic daily and on-demand backups, high availability nodes, security you can count on with, with private VLAN, IP whitelisting, SSH and SSL, two-factor authentication, and much more. Deploy your database in minutes and they'll take care of all of the administrative tasks like patches and upgrades. Setup is fast and easy, so go try them out for 30 days free at compose.com slash devchat.
2: Yeah, that's really cool. And you know what, Charles, Uh, just on a off topic note, you have a really soothing voice. And as I look away from the Skype panel, and onto one of my other monitors, I forget that I'm actually part of the panel and talking with you guys. And I'm just listening, kind of like dozing off. So, you know, you had that going for you as well
0: that, that, that's nice of you to say, I actually have a cold <laughs> this week and I'm like, I'm like, I sound awful. But then, yeah, I have to say, um, you, 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 saying that reminded me of an instance. Um, it was at RubyConf or RailsConf, I don't remember, but it was in Austin and, uh, we were walking out to see the bats that come out from under the bridge. Um, you know, I was hanging with James Gray and a few other folks from, from the rogues panel back then. And, uh, there was uh, a young man and young woman from Australia, I think, who were walking out to the bridge with us. And they they were saying, and I think at this time I was also still doing the Teach Me to Code podcast, but they looked right at me and they said, yeah, we, we listen to your show in bed. And I'm just like, you know, together, right? In bed together. And I'm just like, okay, wow. that's more than I needed to know. <laughs> but yeah, and they're like, no, no, it helps us relax. And I'm like, oh, okay. So you get in bed together listening to me, and then you go to sleep. So I kill the mood.
2: I think they are hinting something to you. Uh, oh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's crazy. That's the weirdest thing so, I've
0: ever been told about the show, I have to say.
2: Yeah, so how did you come up with the name Ruby Rogues?
0: Uh, James came up with it. Um, we were – so essentially, in a nutshell, the, the origin story of the show is that Um, So I've been a fan of Leo Laporte and the twit.tv shows for a while. And um, James had been listening to Skeptic's Guide to the Universe, I think is the name of the podcast that that he listened to that was a panel discussion. Um, And I'd been thinking for a long time that, you know, a twit.tv-style panel discussion um, of Ruby would be cool. But I didn't want to do Ruby News. I wanted to do actual, you know, coding discussion. And then um, James tweeted and said hey, you know, it'd be really great if Ruby had a panel discussion show. And I jumped all over that. And so, um, you know, I started, I tweeted at him and emailed back and forth a bit. And we decided to go for it. And so we started inviting people we knew. Um, So since I had done Teach Me to Code podcast, um, I actually knew a lot of the people in the community. Um, James knew them too, but I actually had their emails and had actually done a podcast with them in the past. So I wound up reaching out to Peter Cooper and Peter said, well, you know, that would be fun, but your show would probably be better if you had Aaron Patterson on. And I said, well, why don't we get you and Aaron Patterson? And then um, James and I both knew David Brady because David Brady, the house I lived in before this is about two blocks from David Brady's house. And uh, we actually went to church together. For a couple of years. And so, you know, I knew him, so I invited him along as well. And, you know, James knew him as well. And so it sounded like a good idea. So that was kind of the original panel. And then we started talking about what to name it and things like that. And um, I think on Skeptic's Guide to the Universe, I think they call themselves Rogues. And so I think that's where James came up with Ruby Rogues. Um, it had that nice alliteration and. Yeah, that's kind of how it all came together. And then within um, a few months, both Peter and Aaron said, you know what, this is fun, but I'm way too busy to commit to this every week. And so we wound up with Avdi and Josh. And, you know, that lasted quite a while. We had Katrina on as a guest. And then I think over the course of about three to five months, every single person on the rogues panel offered their spot to get her on. And so we said, well, that's crazy. We don't want to lose anybody. Let's just add her in. And so we invited her on and she was on with us for quite a while. Um, and that was just – that was a ton of fun. That was kind of the the awesome um, – I, I call it the golden age of Ruby Rose. Um But it, it was really fun to be on the panel then. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, as people moved on to other things, we brought new people in.
2: That's cool. So another off topic, uh, what video games do you play in your downtime?
0: <laughs> Am I supposed to have downtime? <laughs>
1: And
2: we all have some downtime.
1: What is this spare time downtime you speak of? I'm trying to figure that out myself.
2: I think it's between 1 a.m. and 5 a.m. when you're, yeah, asleep. oh, yeah, then
1: when, the, kid, I'm when the kids are asleep. <laughs> <laughs> when the, when, oh, you mean when the kids are sleeping and you can finally get something done? Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, when the kids are asleep, <laughs> I'm asleep. Are you kidding? Um, so video games, that's that's funny you ask. Um, yeah, I mean, lately I've been so focused, so um this is the other thing, and I know this is going to bother some people, but I'm just going to talk about it for a minute. Um, so devchat.tv, um, so Ruby Rogues kind of took off, and then JavaScript Jabber took off, and I had the freelancer show going, and then I started iFreaks, and iFreaks kind of picked up a little bit of momentum, and then um, it's kind of had some slow and steady momentum since then, and then I started Adventures in Angular. Um, but during that whole process, I was like, look, I'm on these five shows. I should just put them all on it. A- podcast network and eventually that's what I did is you know we built devchat.tv and put it on there um but devchat.tv wasn't run and managed by ruby rogues it was run and managed by me and um anyway devchat.tv has become more and more of a business and more and more of a an operation just to keep the shows running and then I decided to do the online conferences and so I've been doing that um You know, as this comes out, you know, people can still go uh, submit talks for Ruby Remote Conf to come come in June. But um, anyway, so yeah, so you're talking about spare time. Well, the last two months, I've been trying to hire a new – I was looking for an executive assistant. Um, She has um, branded herself the director of operations at devchat.tv, which fits. It's fine. Um, But yeah, so before that, um, I was managing – um, a lot of the stuff just around keeping the shows going because, uh, Mandy Moore and I had a little bit of a falling out in August and, and parted ways. And, uh, you know, so, so there were some things going on. So for the f- past little while, I've had no free time. Um, and so if I have free time, I'm basically listening to an audio book and trying to relax. Um, now that I have somebody hired, um, I actually have a couple of somebody's hired doing different things for the shows and the conferences. um. You know, things have been a little bit easier on me. Um, but, yeah, I haven't had a lot of time to play games. And when I do play games, it's usually Mario Kart with my kids. Um, I've really gotten into Rocket League, <laughs> but uh, I, I play yes. it so infrequently that it's, it's just not even funny. And then um, for the past while, um, I have been playing some of the phone, uh, kind of the I don't want to say turn based games, but they're the games where you can get on for five minutes on your phone and play them. And then you can walk away from them for a while and it's not going to, you know, you're not going to get penalized for it. And so I've been playing like Clash of Clans and Game of War. Um, but yeah, I wish I had more time to dig in and just, you know, go play Rocket League and stuff like that. I will say, though, that I am going to be getting more video game time because um, I decided that – so I have a son that has ADHD. Um, he also has another deal they call Obstinate dis- Defiance Disorder. Um which means he yells at us a lot. <laughs> That's basically what it comes down to. Um, I think
2: my son has that too.
0: Yeah. The the doctor diagnosed it. So, you know, I guess it's a thing, you know, I I just call it a crappy attitude, but anyway, <laughs> um, you know, I, I guess it's just harder for him to help it than other kids. So anyway, um, he's also had some issues at school with other kids cause he's kind of a quirky kid. He can't sit still. Um, you know, when he speaks up, he's really loud and he's, he's had a, you know, he's made a few scenes at the school. I, I don't talk about my personal life a lot on the show, but, um, anyway, so we switched him over to an online charter school. So he's doing school at home and my wife is his uh, learning coach, but because he has the learning disabilities, she basically has to sit there with him through school all day. Um, And they've managed most of the time to get things done so that he has half the day free on Friday. And I've been thinking, you know what? He just needs a little bit extra attention from me too. And so I this is a long story to tell you that I'm starting a podcast with my son. Um, But anyway, I I talked to him and he emailed me like two weeks ago and he said, he said, Dad, you are a great podcaster. I don't know what a podcaster is. You know, so I felt real good. And then I was like, oh, never mind. And, uh, you know, but uh, maybe you can show me sometime. So I emailed him back and said, yeah, do you want to start a podcast? And so we talked about it. What do you want to do a podcast about? Well, he wants to do a podcast about video games. So that's what we're going to be doing. So, um, you know, we're still figuring out the format on that and things like that. But yeah, I'll be, I'll, I'll wind up playing some more video games with him. So, you know, I may get him into something like Rocket League or Minecraft or. Something like that. And we'll probably just talk about the same game for a couple of weeks and then switch games. Um, but yeah, so um, I'm going to be getting some leisure time video gaming, but I don't know what that looks like yet.
2: Yeah, that's really cool. You know, there's nothing like being able to tell the wife, you know, sweetie, I have to play this video game. It's for the kids.
0: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you yep. think. Yeah, there you go. Well, she knows oh, all nice about when, it,
1: so yeah. It's nice when you can share the thing you're passionate about with your kids too. That's, yeah, it's one of the one of the upsides of parenting.
0: Yeah, well, and a lot of people do that with programming, mm-hmm. and I think I could teach him programming. But um, his nature is such that he really likes talking about the stuff he likes. Um, you know, my my daughter, uh, she'd probably be more inclined toward programming because um, she she likes the attention, but she also likes creating things and and you know things like that. Her personality is much more geared toward, you know, programming and creative pursuits and, you know, having accomplished something and, you know, having something to show for what she did, Um, you know, for him, it's, it's much more social than anything else. So, you know, the, the podcast is much better for him, but yeah. um, And yeah, you know, podcasting is definitely my passion.
1: Um,
0: Yeah. It's one of the things that
1: I've always really enjoyed is, is being able to teach people how to code. And with my own kids, I have, I have, I have two daughters and one of them is uh, really good at writing code. She's actually really good at it, but has no interest in doing it. Mm -hmm. So she's, she made this, she made this, she made this gorgeous web application. Uh, This gorgeous website. Um, And I said, Oh, that looks really fantastic. She did it as a presentation for one of her classes rather than just do a PowerPoint slide. She Mm -hmm. said, Set down and put a whole website together with some really nice CSS and just this unbelievable stuff, and just that's a, okay. I did that. I'm not interested in doing that anymore. <laughs> um, and my younger one is she's very much. I want. I want to write some code. I love. Let's, let's write some code. Let's program. Let's program. Let's program. So it's it's really, really interesting how you know how that works you know, when, you, when you look at your kids and go hmm. Well, here, I'm giving them all the opportunities. But it's interesting that I have two of them that just completely different personalities, and uh, one of them looks like they might take to it, and the other one won't. But it is fun when you get a chance to do that—that that bonding over the thing you're excited about.
0: Yeah, well, and it's funny too because, you know, you talk about you know the personalities, and you kind of boiled it down to the binary: likes to code, doesn't like the code. You know, but I have five kids, and they're all different. They're all just you know, funny little people with their own little ways of looking at the world. I mean, even my one-year-old. You know, she doesn't really talk yet, but boy, <laughs> she has thoughts and opinions and she lets you know. And so, yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to, you know, the different opportunities that each child represents.
2: Yeah. And mine are too young to really kind of have their own thing that, you know, you just know that that's what they're going to be into for like the rest of their life. But. Uh, You know, we just had another child. We have three of them. So my youngest daughter is now five months old and we named her Ruby, you know, after the Ruby language. So, you know, it's I guess a really good thing I didn't uh, take up Python or something because that would be weird. But uh, so I have high hopes for her. Um, And my oldest daughter, she's really smart. But lately she's been into movies and video games. You know, I, I taught her how to play Mario Run. On the iPad, oh, nice. and she's just been obsessed with it. She has no idea what she's doing, but she knows that if she hits that flag and the flag goes down, then she wins. So she always like has this big victory every time she wins.
0: Yep. Yeah, they're they're funny. Um, my seven year old is is very much about, you know, doing what daddy does. So we'll see what she really winds up being into. But yeah, it's it's funny. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's the funniest little things too. You know, they get excited about so. Anything else you want to know about the show?
1: One of the things I'm looking forward to is being here for episode 400.
0: Yes. It'll be about two years, but we'll get there.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah, it should be exciting. You know, I I feel my, you know, I was saying about free time, downtime, but I literally have none of that. You know, I was working till you know, almost 2 a.m. every night for the past month, you know, and getting up at 7. So it's definitely hard to find any kind of free time. And I'm just grateful that I do have uh, an hour out of my day to be on the panel. So, you know, it's a commitment that I made to you, Charles, and to the ruby rogues and you know i hope that you guys will keep having me on
0: yeah absolutely well and it's it's interesting too i mean everybody has opinions about who we should get as panelists or why or when or whatever but um you know ultimately for me it's who's going to come and bring you know whatever it is that we need for that conversation to have the impact that we we should be having and uh Yeah, I I get emails periodically that I haven't picked the right people or the people that people want me to pick or, you know, whatever. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's yeah, that's what it's about. And that's why each of you are on the show. That's why Jerome and uh, Jason are on the show is because you came and you um, presented something as, you know, as a guest on the show. And it was something that, you know, I or, you know, multiple of us as, as the panel's grown have felt. Is something that the you know that the show needed, and so yeah, I'm looking forward to having you all stick around yeah for another hundred episodes.
1: Um, it's it's really nice to hear that, Charles. I really wanted to thank you for for saying such kind words. Um, I I was feeling sort of I, I wanted to kind of bring this up earlier, but I was feeling uh, a long time ago I had I had done a, done a, a book that. You know, it didn't, uh, it didn't sell very well. I put a lot of work into it and it didn't sell very well. Um, and the best piece of advice I ever got was, was from Dave Thomas when he, he told me, he said, yeah, it didn't sell quote very well, but all those people that did read it, those are people you helped. Those are people whose lives you improved. Um, and so It was kind of a very humbling thing to hear that that the the, the things that I'm doing, the the, the things that you're doing, the things that Ruby Rogues and all the other podcasts are doing uh, is impacting people and helping people. And it's nice to know that.
0: Yeah. Well, the other thing that's nice about this medium and books and things like that is that um and, and I'll you know, I'm gonna wax a little bit philosophically political for a second. It feels like a lot of the things that the politicians do wind up helping one group and hurting another. But with these things that we're doing, like the shows and the books and everything else, the marginal cost of helping another person doesn't take anything away from anyone else. And so it's it's nice that we're able to, you know, as we expand our reach we just help more people. And that, you know, it, it it's that's the kind of impact that we get to have, which is really cool.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And a few months ago, I was in the Atlanta Ruby meetup group and I gave a quick talk on commitment and just how different levels of commitment have different appearances and people have a uh, perceived uh, perception of how committed you are to something. And a lot of that is results driven. And I think for 300 episodes, that's several years of a, a constant commitment that you have really lived up to. Even when, you know, you go through issues, like like uh, maybe disagreements with other panelists or other life things that kind of keep you from having that extra time. You know, I think to reach where you have is definitely an accomplishment. Uh, it's one that you can really be proud of.
0: Yeah, but the thing is, is that it's not it's not me. It, you know, it's it's the past panelists. It's the guests. It's the listeners. It's the people who have, you know, gotten involved in Ruby Rogues Parlay. It's the people who you know, um, bought t-shirts or whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's everybody, it's, it's a victory for the community. It's, you know, I, I I don't feel like I'm like, oh, well I've done so much, you know, it's, it's, Hey, you know, we've made this journey together and it's, you know, we're, we're, we've had 300 conversations about stuff that, you know, that matters.
2: Yeah, that is, that is really cool. Yep. You know, it's definitely a, a different aspect from like uh, the screencasting stuff that I do, just because that is uh, only my interpretation. My my things my doing and it's not really having a community involvement where other people are really helping out chiming in as you know for each episode so i think that it really is cool and you know it's just a value that i never kind of realized about ruby rogues is you're involving the community even the um uh, Melena that was on a few weeks ago, uh, she was a new Rubyist and she had written a blog post and, you know, there was interest in that blog post. So you had her on the show. And I think that's really cool that you don't have to be some kind of guru or genius to be on the show. You just have to, you know, be willing to talk and, you know, have something to talk about. Yep. Yeah.
0: Well, we are kind of at the end of the time. The only th- the only other thing that I kind of wanted to talk about briefly is uh, Ruby Rogues Parley. Um It's a discourse forum that was set up quite a while ago. Um, and initially, the donations were set up to help the rogues like, travel to conferences and stuff. Um, however, that kind of changed as the panel changed and things like that. And um, for the most part, it's kind of become a little bit of a ghost town just because I don't have time to be in there and, um, you know start the conversations and and carry on the conversations with people. And so I've been very seriously thinking about moving it over to a Slack channel because Slack is something that I do have open all the time. And so you know over the next few weeks, uh, keep an eye out because I'm probably going to um, invite everybody who has a current subscription to Ruby Rogues to just come join the Slack channel. And I'm hoping that we can have more of these conversations with people uh, maybe in a more real-time type uh, setting and you know get a better feel for what matters to everybody so you know if you want to be part of these conversations you know keep an eye out for that as well i know i'll definitely be there sweet all right well should we get to some picks oh yeah all right um let's go ahead and do some picks then dave do you want to start us off with picks
2: oh gosh you know this you know other than being unprepared for the show this is like probably the one thing that i'm most unprepared for (laughs) (laughs) every week so i'm going to just go ahead and say mario run it's fun for the whole family uh and they're actually coming out with a android application or android version at some point soon so uh no it's it's a lot of fun good to waste time with
0: nice how about you brian so the, the
1: the two picks I have are both are both video games that I'm that I'm currently playing, and the first one is is Overwatch. If you're not playing Overwatch, let's play Overwatch together. I'm I'm on I'm on Battle.net and i'm on xbox 1 playing overwatch on both of those systems it's a first person shooter like none that you've ever seen before i've actually managed to convince my daughter and my wife both to play overwatch uh, and they're not they're not fans of first person shooters it's done in such a it's done in such a wonderful way the characters that you can choose uh, choose from are are so they're they're complex they're funny. The interaction with each other during the games is, is hilarious at times. Uh, it's just a really well-done game. It's a lot of fun to play, and it's a lot of fun to watch other people play. Um, so I'm always looking for people to play with, so hey, reach out. Let's, let's play a game together. Um, and uh, the other one I want to pick is actually a, a PC-only game, Windows-only game, called Grim Dawn. Um, some people at work introduced me to this, and it's just a fantastic game, kind of like, uh, you know, in, in the spirit of Torchlight and Diablo too, uh, but it's just a wonderful action RPG game that that can get incredibly deep and complex. Um, I'd never heard of it before, but it's it's sort of the when I'm not playing Overwatch, I'm I'm probably playing that. Uh, so you know, we talked about video games. There's a couple of picks for y'all to check out.
0: Super cool. Um, I'm going to do a couple picks here myself. Um, first of all, I mentioned Ruby Remote Conf. Um, if you want to buy tickets, you can still get early bird tickets. And um, if you want to speak, submit a talk. Um, that's rubyremoteconf.com. It'll redirect you to devchat.tv on the right place. Um, the other things that I'm going to pick so I recently got these autonomous AI desks. Um, now, the more expensive models are the ones with the AI in it that stand up and sit down for you. They figure out what your habits are. Um, mine, they just have the buttons, so I can. I have four presets and then just the up and down. Um, but when I set it up, all of a sudden I had all these wires <laughs> coming through my desk. Um, and so I got these wire tamer cable management trays. Um, they have two packs on um, Amazon. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And then the other thing is, is that um, I have my mixer and uh, boom arm with my microphone on it. And you know the the boom arm makes it so the microphone swings out of the way, but the headphones are just a little bit bulky to sit on my desk. So I found an eleven dollar um, hook it's called the anchor, and it has you know it has the glue patch on the top that you peel the the sticky thing off of and then you stick it on the bottom of your desk and so it's got this hook on it that I just hang my headphones on so they're out of the way. they're kind of over by the controls for the desk and uh, anyway, that's been super super convenient. Um, so I'm going to pick that as well. And then um, one last thing that I'm going to pick, and this is just kind of a quirky, weird thing, um, but uh, the the vehicle that I drive around when I'm not with my family is actually a 1995 Dodge Dakota. So the thing is like really, really old, it's 22 years old. Um, yeah, the door, the driver door opens most of the time. Sometimes I have to go around to the side, uh, passenger side and lean across and open the door from the inside. But anyway, um, it doesn't really have a cup holder in it. And so um, I didn't know they sold these, but apparently you can get a cup holder and mobile device organizer, blah, 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 that is made to just slide between the seats. Um, so since mine doesn't have a center console, it's a stick shift. So, you know, it has, needs room to shift. Um, yeah, this has been really convenient to be able to stick in there and make it work. So I'll put links to all those things in the show notes. And uh, yeah. Um I guess we'll wrap this up, and we'll catch you all next week. Look forward to another 300 episodes.
1: Y'all right. take care now. Yep.
0: Bye.
2: Right. Bye. Bye.
0: Hey there. This is Charles Maxwood, and I just wanted to talk to you really briefly about freelance remote conf. I'm putting on a conference for people who want to go freelance or who are freelance, and bringing in some of the experts from the Freelancer Show to talk to you about how to find clients, how to collect money how to build your business, how to specialize, and much, much more. So if you're thinking about going freelance or you're already freelance and want to hear from the experts on how to go, become, or grow your freelancing business, then by all means, come check us out at freelanceremoteconf.com.